Good morning, Great Oaks. How are we doing this morning? Woohoo, yeah. Hey, before we dive into the message, I want to take a couple minutes and talk about something else real quick. We've been talking about the last couple weeks just like, you know, sayings of Jesus and things Jesus taught on. One of the things that Jesus also taught on, and we talk about ministries and supporting ministries, is what we should do with what we have. Our possessions, finances, and one of the stories of Jesus that I absolutely love is one day Jesus was actually sitting outside the treasury, and he was watching people give as they went in. And he saw a widow come up and give what was like pretty much a penny into the plate, but he watched everybody else give more money. And he looked at his disciples, and he said, I tell you the truth, that woman has given more than everyone else that's walked in. Because behind the heart of Jesus' teaching, especially about giving, it is this. It's not about the amount of the gift. It is about the amount of sacrifice someone is making while giving. That is the heart of Jesus. Now, this next thing that we're talking about, this is not for you if you're new, unless you feel compelled to give, that's up to you. But if you call Great Oaks home, you guys know there's three ways to give. They're on the screen. That goes to support ministries. That goes to support mission. That goes to support, like, if we have someone from the community come in and say, hey, we can't make our ends meet. We've lost a job, laid off. That goes to help support them. So that's where your, your giving goes to. And so all the time as a pastor, I get this question, well, how much should I give? We know the Old Testament talks about tithing and a percentage. But if you really wanted to drill down in the teachings of Jesus, it would be give until it hurts. It would be sacrificial giving. That is what giving is in the words of Jesus. So that's what I open you with this morning. But let's go ahead and talk about some other teachings. So let's go ahead and pray before we dive in the message. Dearly Father God, we are just so glad that we can come in the room this morning. God, as, as we talk through another I am statement, may it be your words and not mine. God, may the Holy Spirit move us, convict us, and just teach us what we are to know. God, we're so thankful that we have you and your son and that you sent him for us. Pray us all in your name. Amen. So if you haven't been at Great Oaks or maybe you're new here, we are in week three of the I Am statements leading up to Easter Resurrection Sunday. And the last two weeks we've had some great messages uh, brought to you by Pastor Paul, our discipleship pastor, and Chris Jenner is one of our mission partners, where they've talked about I am the bread and I am the light. Last week, uh, Chris ended his message talking about the story of a blind man. And if you didn't watch that, make sure you go back online and watch that later, but he really got into that story and talked about how Jesus picked up some dirt and <laughs> spit into it and then rubbed it on the guy's face. And we see the miracle of sight happening. But what we did not see and what Chris did not talk about last week is after that happened, the religious leaders interrogated the blind man. Even his family. Well, was he actually blind at birth? Wanted to really know. And the reason behind this is because the religious leaders were spiritually blind and they were trying their best to condemn Jesus. So this passage we're talking about this morning is following that story up as Jesus continues teaching. He is talking to the Pharisees. If you don't know who that is, those are religious leaders of the time. And as we dive into John chapter 10, what you need to know is this story is written what we call an allegory. Uh, the better way of wording that for us today, it's kind of like a common day proverb. So that's what we have this morning. And so what I'm going to do is we're going to break down this text this morning 
there's two I am statements of Jesus in John chapter 10. So I'm going to be talking about one. And so verses 1 to 6, we're going to talk about what Jesus is doing. Verses 7 through 10, we're going to say, hey, why is Jesus doing that? And then verses 11 through 21, you're going to hear next week on how Jesus does that from another awesome speaker from our teaching team. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to focus on John 10, verses 1 through 10. So let's go ahead and dive into the text. If you have your Bible, go ahead. If not, the words will be on the screen. Here's what it says. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse 3, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Verse 6, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All right, so, so far in this series, we have Jesus saying, I am the bread, I am the light. Now we have Jesus saying, I'm this inanimate object, I am a, I'm a gate. What in the world does Jesus mean with that? Well, let's talk about what's going on in this first century culture in the Middle East. There are three main jobs at this time in Palestine, all right? Fishermen, all right, that's one of them. Shepherd is another, and then farmer would be another. He's talking about being a shepherd. And in the open country in the Middle East, sheep pens at night, what shepherds would do is that they found a cave, they'd put the sheep into a cave, and there'd be multiple flocks of shepherds going into that cave. And then a shepherd would either lay down in front of the, gate, the, the entry of the cave or hire someone to be there and be the gate. Or if it was an open field, they'd stack up stones about four feet tall, all the way around, top it with thorns, and then there'd be one entry, and that's where the shepherd would lay at night. Part of this is about security. Jesus saying, I am the gate. When my sheep are in here, I am going to protect them. I am here for them. I am the gate. Practically, what does that mean? Well, maybe... I'm preaching this sermon today because some of you know me. I'm a small town boy from the state of Indiana from a podunk village. And I grew up a farmer. So let me tell you about a gate. So I got my first picture from the, the farm back in the day. Hit me. Hey, look at that awesome looking kid. Hey, what a, hey, yeah. Uh, so that was the front gate. So our entire land, all 150 acres, is surrounded by fencing. And so that's at the edge of our lane. So kids in here, I walked a mile home from my driveway every day. All right. So the next picture. All right. So that's that gate now. A little bit of pin there for some livestock. All right. Next picture. At the top of my driveway to my house is this gate which is the interior yard, and this keeps our dogs in. So when you go to my house, my wife has learned this. There are three full-blooded German shepherds waiting on you at that gate. Uh, they are not friendly German shepherds if they don't know you. And so that is that gate. And then a last picture I just added for my own self. Look at me. That's awesome. All right. All right. So ask me prep and do work one day. Um, the purpose of the gate and the reason we have gate on a farm is we keep livestock in, we keep other predators out. 
Why is that important? And what Jesus is saying here, saying, I am the gate. I value you. I value you. Do we hear that in that? Church, here's an honest truth that I want you to get today. If you want all that God has for you, you must go through the gate. If you want all that God has for you, you must go through the gate. So as I said at the beginning, we're going to talk about first, what is Jesus doing? Simply, he is gathering the flock. And the reason this is important at this time is because at, in the first century, the Jewish people had been so neglected, years of neglect. We actually hear from Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel in 34, about some irresponsible shepherds that were supposed to be watching over them. We get this from the prophet Ezekiel. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As the shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all places from where they were scattered on, on day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture. And the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. Jesus is gathering the sheep, and what has happened is that religious leaders, all these people have completely abandoned them. So much so that in the first century, if you were a shepherd, you were not trustworthy enough to even testify in court. We know that from first century law if you study history. And Jesus is here, no, I'm redeeming this. I am this. I am the gate. I will protect them. I will bring them in. But in order, because this comes from the Good Shepherd passage, in order to really know what Jesus is doing, we need to talk about something else. Let's talk about sheep for a second. First off, sheep are an animal, all right? And our assumption of sheep might be based on like when we scroll at night on Facebook or some reels, we might have an assumption about how sheep are. Let's play a reel that I found. Sometimes, as we talk about sheep, we're like, those are some dumb creatures. Those are some really dumb creatures. Let me tell you something that I tell myself all the time. Do not judge the flock because of just one. As a pastor, I remind myself that every day. Oh, somebody got that joke. That's good. Actually, I really wanted to know how intelligent sheep are. Because, you know, the Bible might give some reference, but I need to go to some outside study. Who's my University of Illinois grads in here? Anybody? No one? Oh, wow. All right. I should have researched another college. U of I Agriculture did a study on how smart sheep are. If you want to know what I do during my week, I read it. And the University of Illinois found that sheep can actually recognize and memorize 50 faces and 50 voices. 
I don't know how they tested that. I wasn't going to read that much of the study. <laughs> they also found that sheep grieve when they lose another sheep. That sheep grieve when they lose a caretaker. Sheep are actually, according to the University of Illinois, intelligent right behind one of the most intelligent animals, which is the pig. Church, we see that actually in John 10. Because verse 5 says this, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. They will not go because they do not recognize. Let me ask this question. For those of you in here that call yourselves believers, do you recognize the voice of God? Do you recognize the voice when the Holy Spirit talks to you, when Jesus speaks to you? Because what's important, the reason we have a gate is because there are things that's trying to get in to the sheepfold that do not belong there. There's a reason they put thorns on top of the gate in the first century. As predators would come, it was to deter them from trying to get in to the sheep pen. But the illustration that Jesus is making here is that we have many forces trying to do that. Some of it's false gospel, false teaching, Satan. Some of it is sheep that think they can get into the sheep pen without having a shepherd or going in through this gate without being part of that flock. Jesus says in verse 9, Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. We talked about what Jesus is doing. He's gathering the flock. I talked about how there's protection in that for us. There's safety and security in that for us. And then now the next thing is, why is Jesus gathering the flock? To give you life to the fullest. Do we believe that? Do we believe that Jesus wants us to have a life to the fullest? Before we can say yes or no to that, I, I think we should ask ourselves this question. What is this full life? What does that even mean? It's written on in Scripture multiple times. Colossians 2 has something. Ephesians 3 has something. The psalmist has it in Psalm 16. Remember back in the first week of this sermon series, Paul talked about, hey, I am the bread of life. If you eat me, you will never go hungry again. This full life means I will sustain you. The psalmist in chapter 16 puts it this way. Lord, you alone are my portion in my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in the pleasant places. Surely I have delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Church, this full life is all about having a kingdom perspective. If we have Jesus, if we believe in Jesus, 
That's what matters, and that should be our number one priority. And nothing else should shake you from that belief in knowing that you're secure behind the gate that is the shepherd. Paul writes it this way in Philippians. For me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ, so I really don't know which is better. And what Paul's doing here is he's, he's counterbalancing, is it better that I live now, or should I die so I can be in heaven with Jesus and with God? And what Paul ends up concluding is, but if I'm still here, I can do fruitful work, which we talked about last week. I am the light, and we are to be lights to the world. And that's the dichotomy that Paul is wrestling with in Philippians chapter 1. I want to be with Jesus in glory, but as I live, I can still do fruitful work. Because I trust that I am behind the gate with the flock. Now, that's what having a full life looks like, having that trust in Jesus. That that's all that matters. Anxieties, fears, grief, even though we battle them, even though we deal with them, we know first what's paramount is we have Jesus. There's a flip side to that. I think we struggle with this in our American culture because of how much stuff we try to fill our life with. We fill our lives with a lot of things. Let me talk about some easy ones first. We, we talk about false gospels. And what I mean by that when I talk about false gospels is when we distort the words of Scripture. Oh, if you believe in Jesus, he will give you all of your earthly desires. That's not here. If you just believe in Jesus, you will have no more debt. You'll have all the money you want. You can get that Mercedes Benz and you'll have a great time. If you have Mercedes Benz, I'm not judging you. All right. But, th but somehow that's what we think a full life is because we start thinking of a full life as all these fleshly desires, monetary wealth, earthly success. Oh, my goodness. I need to pull 60, 65 hours a week just so I can have everything I want because Jesus wants me to have that full life. No, Jesus wants you to be full knowing that he is enough. Maybe for some of us, I saved this one for last because this is my personal struggle. Maybe it's eating that 72-ounce steak competition. And you're like, if you eat the whole thing, you get it for free. That's what being full is. Jesus wants me to be happy and full. No. There's a reason why Jesus said, I am the bread instead of the ribeye, I guess. Church, we have such a distorted view of what a full life looks like. And maybe the key to this is before we can truly be full, we need to start throwing some things out. And maybe that's where you sit this morning. Maybe you sit here this morning and maybe you're joining us online and you have this thought, Chase, I got nothing. I am in debt. I've lost a loved one close to me. I am grieving. I'm anxious about my job. I'm anxious about our culture. I'm anxious about our world. All I see is death, despair, unhappiness. That's all we hear about. I, I have nothing. To you, I want to say this. Jesus has a habit of filling what is empty. You know how I know that? 
We see it in John chapter 2. The first miracle of Jesus. We see it in John chapter 4. When Jesus meets with the woman at the well. And she's known nothing in her life but things that she was not meant for. And Jesus sits down with the Samaritan woman at the well and has conversation with her and invests in her. We see it in John chapter 6 that Paul preached in week 1. You're hungry. I am the bread. Jesus has a habit of filling what is empty. And church, maybe we don't have that fill because it's competing with other things in our life that we're listening to. And we're believing the false teachers, false messiahs, false gospels. Maybe what you're doing is you're doom scrolling on Facebook and you're saying, oh my gosh, our life doesn't look like this, honey. Our life doesn't look like this. Maybe you're looking at things and you're like, man, that used to cost only $100 and now it's $4,000. And you start comparing everything. And what, what the gate, who Jesus is, I am the gate, is saying is, I am enough. Come through me. Because church, the abundant life is in a deep-rooted relationship with God, and that only happens through the gate, which is Jesus. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. It's a great quote that I absolutely love. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself. Because it is not there. There's no such thing. I don't know if you've heard this, but I maybe need to speak this truth to you. Church, God wants you to be satisfied. Church, God does want you to have happiness. For some of us, that might not be until eternal glory, but that's what God wants for us. And how we get that is through community with him. Through understanding that we go through Jesus in order to be in that community with God. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself. I can tell you every scripture story in here and how that point resonates with those scripture stories. Let me speak besides scripture. How I know that's true. Because I know it true for my own life. I've tried filling things in my own life to fill voids and fill gaps. It doesn't work. I've tried to fill myself with knowledge. I think if I know more, I'll be better. No. <laughs> Recognizing you don't know everything makes you better. Oh, if I just have more money, if I just work more, I'll, be, I'll have more, I'll be better, I'll be happier. No, you got more to manage, you're going to be more stressed out, and that's going to cause you more issues. Where I find happiness, personally for me, from this story especially, is knowing that I am in the sheepfold behind the gate and that God wants me to have a full life. In fact, God is saying, hey, I want you to graze in a pasture that is amazing. And that amazing thing is heaven. That you are going to be with me one day because you are coming through the gate the message this morning to you, church, is this. If you want all that God has for you, you must go through the gate. Stop looking everywhere else.
Stop trying to go every different avenue there is. Because the point of this message is the simple I am statement. Yes, I could have said the sentence and walked off the stage. Jesus is the gate. It starts here. Now, what does that mean? It starts here. Maybe you're in this room this morning, and you're like, okay, this dude on stage talked about Jesus being bread and light and a gate, and I have no idea what that means. What that means is this. The verse that most of us know, even if you're not church, you probably heard the verse. What that means is that God sent his son to die on a tree for us because he loved us first. He is that gate. We want happiness and fulfillment. We go through Jesus who God gave us. So my question out to you is this. My first question is, have you heard the voice of the shepherd? Because this story, we are all sheep. Have you heard the voice of the shepherd? And have you recognized that there's some things that you need to do? The first thing you need to do is this. We have this really bad belief that, okay, if I want to belong to Jesus, i got to get my life ready. i gotta got to do all these things, and that's not true. The first thing you just got to do is come to him. Let him help you sort that stuff out. That's number one. So my question is, have you heard that voice, and have you heard, felt that presence? What does that even feel like, to feel the presence of God? You ever felt that calming presence when you never should feel a calming presence? That's God. That's the Holy Spirit. Have you felt that? Lastly, maybe you guys have made that decision. You heard that voice many years ago. Well, as another sheep, what are you doing to help the others next to you? Are you sharing in that joy of a full life? That could be a whole sermon, and that's why I've saved the last couple minutes for this. How are we talking about that full life, church? Do we walk out of here? Do we walk out through our week and man, man, I'm so excited that I have Jesus. I'm so excited that I feel secure behind the gate. I'm excited that I have all this, that God wants a relationship with me, that he sent his son. Probably not. You know how I know? <laughs> I hope that no one, everyone here is not better than me, so I don't do it all the time either. I'm a pastor. I walk out of here sometimes like, my goodness, this world is horrible. Oh, my goodness. Gas is what? Look up my car. All right, Jesus, I'm ready. Let's go. Guys, we are, we are incessant whiners. I'm going to be honest. We complain about everything all the time. And can I be honest with you for a second? How attractive is that for someone that doesn't know Jesus? Hey, I got Jesus, but this world still is horrible. I got Jesus, but whatever that means. Man. You are protected behind the gate. You are secure behind the gate who is Jesus. And there's so many people that don't have that. Make sure they know that you have that comfort. Make sure they know that you have that security. Because that's what they're scrambling for. Pulling everything, every corner around them, every vice, every scenario, looking for what you have. 
sometimes for some of you in your workplace, marketing matters. It does too with the Bible and church. How do we talk about it? Jesus was honest about it when he talked to his disciples. This isn't going to be easy, but you're going to have a full life, and you're going to find it. You'll be taken care of. Jesus sat in front of the 5,000, fed them. They didn't have food. Healed the blind man. Healed the lame man. Performed all this because he cared about people. Our mission, connecting everyone with Jesus' community and purpose. It's kind of hard to connect people with Jesus if we don't talk well about it. Let everyone know around you that you know who the gate is and you are safe and secure behind it because you walk through it and you now have a full life because of it and you have what they're looking for. That's my charge to you today. Let's pray. Dear Father, God, we are just so glad we just, you know, just talk about your word. God, as we talk about these illustrations from Jesus, Jesus truly is the master teacher. As we talk about what does it mean that I am the gate. God, for those of us in this room that maybe haven't walked through that yet, God, I pray for them right now. And maybe some in this room are praying to you for the first time. God, hear their words. There's no perfect words to say. Just communication with you is what is needed. And God, as people might be praying to you for the first time, may they just feel encouraged to go to one of our prayer workers on the side and just talk with one of them or talk to the pastors out front today. God, for others in the room that pray to you all the time, may we be emboldened to talk about you and talk about you well. Because we know that you're gathering the flock because you want us to have a full life with you and community. And may we show that well. God, we thank you. Pray this all in your name. Amen.